Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. with a little shout out to the entire research department for this show, which is you. You, if you're listening right now, you are our research department. And so I I let off the first hour this morning commenting on the pause that we each need to take before, uh, before we post. So the pause before we post was the way that I framed it in the first hour. Um, and so let me just encourage you uh, to pause before you post today. And one of our very astute listeners, part of the very wide-ranging research department that we have here at the Faith Radio Network, her name is Anne. Anne sent me uh, a text on the text line, which, by the way, is the most effective way to communicate with me during the show, 877-933-2484. You can text me anytime. We're on air at 877-933-2484. Anne uh, says, hey, Emerson Eggers has a book on that. Um, and it's called Before You Hit Send. So I have now reached out uh, to Emerson via an email, and we're going to see if we can't get him on soon to talk about uh, what, as Christians, we're supposed to do before we hit send, which I feel confident includes pausing. Yeah, it's about preventing headaches and heartaches, and we certainly (laughs) need that in the world today in terms of our social media engagement. All right, um, one headline here. The federal government yesterday agreed to rescind rules that had been announced by U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. You know them as ICE. Um, ICE had announced last week that international students uh, who are in the country now either had to transfer to schools um, who were going to be offering in-person classes this fall or they were going to have to leave the country if their current school decided uh, on an online-only class schedule for the fall. So institutions like Harvard and MIT were going to be greatly affected, um, and they were uh, preparing, actually actively preparing lawsuits in relationship to this. Uh, The the federal government changed course yesterday, and the Trump administration rescinded its plan to expel international students who are now here in the country or bar entry to uh, the U.S. uh, for others who are enrolled in colleges and universities that are not planning to resume in-person classes this fall. Uh, How did that happen? How did that happen? Well, I can tell you that those things do not happen um, by accident, and they don't happen uh, without a lot of advocacy. And so we've got Matthew Sorens up next from World Relief. There's a number of headlines that he and I are going to cover, but this reversal um, on uh, on international students here in the United States uh, is is one of the headlines that he and I are going to talk about. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Okay, so normally um, at this point in time, I am talking with Bill English. Let's uh, be collectively sending up a prayer for Bill. He was admitted to the hospital yesterday. For an infection, and so he is not joining us this morning. Matthew Sorens graciously responded to an email that I sent him in the middle of the night saying, Hey, hey, 
Uh, won't you come on and join us to talk about um, everything that is going on with refugees around the world um, and this uh, this kind of, for many of us, surprise reversal of the Trump administration uh, in relationship to international students here in the United States. So joining me now is Matthew Sorens. He is the U.S. Director of Church Mobilization and Advocacy for World Relief. He's also the National Coordinator for the Evangelical Immigration Table. Matthew, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Yeah, great to be back with you, with you Carmen. Yeah, and thank you for reading your email in the middle of the night. Genuinely yeah, my, appreciate my wife that. says I, sh- I should probably put the phone away before bed, but it worked this time. <laughs> so, um, all right, so tell us about this reversal. I, I set this up by saying these kinds of things do not happen without a lot of advocacy. So, um, so for people who have not been paying attention to this story, brief them in and then tell them how this reversal came about. Sure, so... Um, ICE, which is Immigration Customs Enforcement, announced, I guess it was last week, that they would be reverting to a a previous policy whereby you basically, to be on an international student visa, you couldn't be taking only online classes, which, to be fair, I think would make sense in a normal time, right? Like, you don't need a student visa to come do online classes. But they made an exception last spring precisely because so many campuses very suddenly went all online. And a lot of colleges and, and universities and seminaries are making those same decisions now of do we do online classes only or some online? And also, what do we do if, uh, if the pandemic, you know, if there's an outbreak and we need to cancel classes very quickly? What the new proposed policy would say is you can, if you have to cancel your classes and just be online, those international students need to get on an airplane very quickly and return to their countries, which, of course, is, you know, a little bit, um, I think, just uncompassionate to those students, some of whom would be going back to countries with with far lower rates of infection for COVID-19. Some of whom would be going back to, you know, it's just very difficult to make quick travel plans, especially right now. So a lot of people have been advocating to say, this is a very unique time. Let's have an exception where um, in light of COVID-19, and among those advocating have been a lot of Christian groups, um, really spearheaded by InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, which does a lot of work on campuses with International students and others, also um, arms of of campus of crew and of the navigators, as well as the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities, whose institutions uh, are addressing these issues for their own students. Um, and yesterday, actually in court, the government announced that they had changed their position. Um, so they were being sued, uh, I think, by Harvard and a few other schools, and they basically said, "We don't need to continue with." this court case because we've decided we are going to revert back to the exception we had established last spring, which was a huge relief to many, many international students and the people who care about them. Okay, Matt. Um, and so we're, we're celebrating that. I also just want to recognize that there are a lot of students um, who would be um, really unable to participate in online courses uh, because the places where they come from around the world don't have the kind of internet um, that maybe they would have sure. access to here in the United States. Uh, I, I mean, I live in a rural community, and we can't mm-hmm. do, we we cannot do the things that even our school district offers online during the COVID shutdown because our Internet is just poor. So yeah. um, I'm telling you, this is not just an issue. Online courses, you know, challenges, not just an issue for international students, but for for students here in the U.S. as well, K through 12. All right. Um, today is a really important advocacy deadline um, tell people what is, you know, it's not just like weird tax day. Um, but today, uh, July the 15th, is also the last opportunity um, for people like me 
to um, submit comments. So talk with us about this process and what we would be submitting comments about um, and then how we would do that. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. So precisely a month ago, uh, the D- Department of Justice and the Department of Homeland Security jointly announced uh, some new proposed rules. So this is a kind of formal governmental process where they said these are the asylum laws, the laws about what happens when someone comes to the United States, gets to the United States, and says they have a credible fear of persecution. The Congress can only change the law, and they, Congress has not done so, but the, the federal government can basically make rules of how to interpret the law. And what these rules did with only a 30-day comment period, which, as you have noted, ends tonight at midnight, um, was really dramatically redefined who could be qualifying for asylum in the United States. So things like uh, literally redefining the, the definition under the law is that someone who has a credible fear of persecution on account of their race, religion, political opinion, national origin, or social group. These regulations go through each of those phrases. What is persecution? What is credible fear? What is a social group? What is a political opinion? And redefines them in a more narrow way so that a lot fewer people would actually be eligible for asylum um, if these regulations would be finalized. And we've, uh, we're really concerned about that at World Relief because we do represent people in court and we know that it's already very difficult to win an asylum case, even for people whom we think have a very genuine, credible fear of persecution. And that includes people fleeing persecution because of their Christian faith or other religious traditions um, who are just going to have a much harder time if these regulations go through. To be clear, we're not saying everyone who makes it should get to the United States, but it needs to be a reasonable standard that could actually be established by someone, especially with legal representation, making the case. So today's the last day for the public to comment on those. And we have been encouraging people to do so. Um, if you go to bit.ly uh, slash asylum public comments with a capital A, a capital P, and a capital C, um, it'll bring you to the government's form where you can submit comments. And we just think it's really important that that our government hears from from citizens that we want the United States to continue to be a safe haven for those who have fled persecution, and um, especially including or including those who have been persecuted for their faith in, in Christ. And they're going to have a much harder time if these regulations are changed. Yeah, if you Google asylum public comments right now, you'll get that Bitly website, but it is bit.ly backslash asylum public comments, no spaces. Um, all right, Matthew, when we come back, let's talk about the closed door, closed doors report uh, that World Relief has issued in partnership with Open Doors USA. Um, friends, if you want to know just how hard uh, it has become for persecuted Christians uh, around the world to immigrate to the United States uh, or find safety and protection here, uh, this report reveals some really sad and startling Realities. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, rejoining my conversation now with Matthew Sorens from World Relief. Matthew, talk with us about the um, the closed door report. Yeah, so uh, there's been this trend that we've been very aware of at World Relief for a number of years now of a well, two trends, really. One is the number of persecuted Christians in the world continues to rise, unfortunately, um, along with various other religious minorities. But Christians, probably more than any other in terms of number, uh, face horrific persecution in various countries of the world. And that's something our, our partners at Open Doors USA have long shown a, a really helpful spotlight on to help mo- help build awareness and, and mobilize prayer and advocacy 
But there's a second trend that's really newer in the last few years, and that is that the United States, which has historically um, offered refuge to a significant number of persecuted Christians, along with others who fled as their countries as refugees, has really closed that door uh, almost entirely. Um, so we decided with Open Doors, uh, World Relief published this report late last week called Closed Doors, looking at just quantifying that decline. And uh, so, for example, in 2015, there were more than 18,000 Christian refugees resettled to the United States from the 50 countries on the uh, Open Doors USA 2020 World Watch List. So the 50 countries where World Open Doors has done some extensive research and said Christians are facing very serious persecution in these 50 countries. The number went from more than 18,000 Christians from those countries in 2015 to this year, uh, halfway through the year, there were 946. So if that pace continues, that'll be a decline of 89.7% just since 2015 in the number of persecuted Christians uh, being able to reach safety and, and religious freedom in the United States. And it, so we, we really just wanted to make people aware that that's happening. I think maybe a lot of Americans haven't realized that that was happening in the last few years. We're very well aware of it at World Relief because we are one of the, the ministries that helps resettle refugees. You know, we're interacting with people's family members here who are desperately asking, can you get our family out of Iraq or out of Burma or out of Iran or whatever country or Pakistan? We, we included a story in the report of a, a, a woman we've resettled in Spokane, Washington, whose husband is still stuck, um, in this case, in Sri Lanka. And we don't have a great answer to tell her when he will be here because the number of Pakistani Christians being resettled at this point is very, very low. So we wanted to help lift that up and, again, towards the call of, of prayer, asking the church to be praying for these people and to be advocating as well. This is an effect of, of public policy that, that could be changed. And if people go to worldrelief.org, um, they can not only download the Closed Doors report, um, which I would encourage you to do. Um, I'm always interested in people reading source documents and reading the information for themselves. So you can do that at worldrelief.org. You're looking for the Closed Doors Report. It's a PDF. You can download it and read it. Um, you, can also, um, you can also respond. You can engage. There are opportunities there for you to click on links uh, for advocacy. And so let me just encourage you um, to visit worldrelief.org and um, find your point of passion in the midst of all of this. Um, that, that place, if you've been wondering, you know, where your mission is, um, that place where your heart breaks at the same place that God's heart breaks, that's, uh, that's your mission. That's, your, that's the way God is, uh, is touching you at the, uh, at the gut level to move you in the direction of, um, of his justice in the world. Proverbs 3.27 is a text that Matthew lifted up uh, in an email. Ma- uh, Proverbs 3.27 reminds us, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. And as U.S. citizens, we have a lot of power to act, um, and that is something that is not shared by our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. So you are invited today to take action, to stand with those who are persecuted for their faith. Um, and, uh, and for young people um, who were brought to the U.S. as children, let's touch on the DACA situation um, in the last few minutes that we have together, Matthew. Yeah, so DACA is kind of the saga that's been going on for years. It stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Basically, it's an executive uh, program that uh, benefits uh, people who are brought to the United States as children, immigrants, who didn't have legal status. But now since 2012, several hundred thousand of them have been able to be protected from deportation and have work authorization. 
And the good news is 85% of Americans want those people to be able to say. On immigration issues, polling is often very 50-50, not on this issue. And that includes 76% of white evangelicals. There's a pretty good amount of unanimity in terms of what should happen to these, uh, I wouldn't say kids, because they came as kids, but many of them are now in their 20s or 30s. In fact, some of them have their own children, which speaks to the tension of if you would actually consider deporting these people. Um, But in, in June, the Supreme Court made a decision that it was a little complicated. It said the Trump administration had erred in the way that they tried to end the DACA program back in September 2017, but they didn't say that they couldn't try again by a different process. And there's been some credible reports that the administration is considering that in the coming days and weeks. Um, we don't know for sure if that's true, but our position, at least at World Relief and the evangelical immigration table, would be that the president should hold off doing anything further except for calling on Congress to act, that really this situation needs a legislative solution. But um, we don't want the administration to try to re-terminate DACA in the meantime, um, because that just puts literally hundreds of thousands of young people's futures into chaos, as they could lose their jobs. They'd be required to lose their jobs, actually, if this went through, and even could be at risk of deportation. So our advocacy emphasis has really been on Congress to say, solve this quickly. Actually, the House of Representatives already passed a bill that World Relief, we've said, we think is a good bill. It, it does resolve this. So the Senate could take that up today and have it to the president's desk you know, very shortly if there was the political will to do that. Political will, um, I think, is a good uh, good topic for us to uh, to end on today, Matthew. Um, when people when people want to assert um, their their sense of what would be right or righteous to a member of Congress or to um, their senator. That is how the system is supposed to work in the United States of America. Um, It is about we the people. And so if we the people do not advocate um, based on the convictions that we have as Christians, based on, um, you know, what the Bible leads us to believe and do in terms of bringing kingdom principles to bear in the midst of the kingdoms of this world, this particular kingdom, the United States of America, of which we our citizens and are a part where we have a voice, then we're actually, you know, failing to utilize the freedoms that uh, other people worked so hard um, to to win for us. And so, uh, I just want to encourage our listeners now. Um, again, go go to worldrelief.org. There there are all kinds of opportunities to not only become informed and equipped, but to actively advocate on behalf of those um, who who cannot advocate on their own behalf. And so I uh, just encourage encourage everyone to engage in this way today. Matthew Sorens, thank you so much um, for joining us today. Thank you for the good work you do each and every day. Thanks so much, Carmen. We appreciate you being with us. We'll be right back. Okay, do you know how to confidently, graciously, and persuasively communicate not only what you believe, but why you believe it and how it impacts policies, why your values um, are superior to the values being demonstrated by others. Saying to yourself, no, but I sure would like to know how to do that. And wouldn't you love to know that somebody is working diligently to be sure that the next generation emerging generations of high school students um, actually know how to confidently and graciously communicate? Well, um, the uh, there is an organization that does that, ncfca.org. So ncfca.org, 
um, stands for uh, this ridiculously long name that's not very helpful, National Christian Forensics and Communication Association. Today we're just going to call them ncfca.org, and they're up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, so joining me, uh, oh, I think I'm supposed to be doing a promo. I don't think I'm supposed to be jumped. Yeah, this is a promo. Oh, hey, we have a survey going on. Okay, so the survey is a listener survey. So if you're listening, is a survey for you, and you should go to MyFaithRadio.com and click on the Mornings with Carmen survey um, because we really actually do want to know what you think about what we're doing and how we're doing it and how you think we might do it better. And so I would encourage you to either go to MyFaithRadio.com and click on the Mornings with Carmen survey or just text the word survey to 877-933-2484 um, and you'll get this little bounce back link. So text the word survey to 877-933-2484. And up next, my delightful conversation partners, Heather and Aaron who are going to help us communicate more effectively in the spirit of Jesus on the issues of the day. Yeah, you know I'm going to like that. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. See the cross on the hill? Can you hear the soldiers pound the nails? Jesus' enemies smirk. This time Satan whispers, this time I will win. For a sad Friday and a silent Saturday, it appeared he had. This is Max Licato. What Satan intended as the ultimate evil, God used for the ultimate good. God rolled the rock away, and Jesus walked out on Sunday morning. If you look closely, you can see Satan scampering from the cemetery with his forked tail between his legs. Will I ever win, he grumbles. No, he won't. Do you believe no evil is beyond God's reach? That he can redeem every pit, including the one in which you find yourself? Trust God. He'll get you through this. Will it be easier quick? I hope so. But it seldom is. Yet God will make good out of this mess. That's his job. This is Max Lucado. have two guests with me, Heather Sampson. She is the Region 5 Director for ncfca.org. And also joining me uh, is um, Aaron. Do I have last Aaron's last name? Aaron Troust. I might be Trost. mispronouncing that. Trost. Thank you so Trost, much, Aaron. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and Aaron is going to be a student at the University of Northwestern St. Paul um, this fall. He is from Cannon Falls, Minnesota. Welcome, Heather, and welcome, Aaron. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Heather, um, I'm going to lead off with you. Tell us what uh, NCFCA is and why people should visit ncfca.org. Certainly. NCFCA is the leading Christian speech and debate league in the country. Um, We train Christian students to communicate not just uh, truth with wisdom, but also with grace. We have a heart to train up a a generation of students who can speak clearly their Christian worldviews in the world in which we live. So that is right up my, uh, right up my alley. I, I am absolutely interested in people being able to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the issues of the day in ways that honor Jesus. That's actually just one of my, 
when people ask me, what are you trying to do on air? That's what I'm trying to do. And so um, this is this is right up my alley. Um, We are also engaged in uh, Christian classical education where we live. And this is a part of what uh, kids in classical schools are certainly trained to do. Um, Aaron, I'm interested to know how you got involved in NCFCA um, and maybe tell us about a particular experience you've had. Yeah, well, it started back, I was in, I believe, eighth grade, um, and I started doing speech through the Minnesota uh, high school, uh, public school speech league. Um, and I, I really enjoyed just um, being with the other kids and advancing my speaking skills. Um, but I didn't realize at the time that a lot of the topics they were covering in the public school weren't uh, Christian worldview, weren't part of that Christian worldview. It was talking a lot about um, like suicide and drugs and a lot of that stuff. Um, and it wasn't addressing it from a Christian standpoint. Um, and so my parents worked with me to try to find a different organization. Um, and we came across NCFCA and I will never, ever regret joining because it was one of the best experiences of my high school years. Um, I think probably my favorite memory from three years that I competed in NCFCA was going down to Texas, um, for a tournament and taking first in both biblical thematic and humorous interpretation. So I love, I love that there are subject matter areas that are surprising to people. I think both of those are probably Mm -hmm. surprising categories. Um, (laughs) Heather, your engagement has been, um, not only as, as the person who is sort of helping facilitate this for others, but as a mom as well. Could you talk about your experience um, with NCFCA, both as a, you know, both as a parent of NCFCA competitors uh, and then also, you know, as a, as a person who is helping to lead the ministry? Certainly. My family got involved with NCFCA eight years ago. Um, our, we live in the Kansas City metro area And we helped to start a brand new speech and debate club with six other families. And that was such a time of learning together as parents who had a heart to train our kids to speak clearly for Christ. And um, many of us did not have experience in speech and debate. And so we were learning together through um, NCFCA curriculum and tools how to guide our young people to become clear communicators for Christ. And during those years, um, my sons have have communicated in the the regional level, the qualifying level, and at the national level. They've had the opportunity, as well as I have had the opportunity, to meet parents, homeschool Christian parents, um, other Christian school parents from across the nation, and form relationships to um, just encourage us in our homeschooling and our Christian schooling, raising up of our young people. So it has been, it's been an excellent experience for our family. So there's an upcoming um, conference that you guys are offering, and this year it is, uh, it is online. Um, I, I want, I want people to know about this because, you know, it, we're all homeschoolers now, right? If we weren't homeschoolers a year ago, we're all homeschoolers now of one variety or another. 
and this is actually a week-long intensive opportunity, um, August 3rd through 7th, for our students to engage online um, and it, whether or not they're beginners or advanced students, sharpen their speech and debate skills. Talk with us about the NCFCA online intensive. And Heather, maybe I'll let you field this question. Certainly. Carmen, I'd like to back up just a week because our intensive is that first week of August. But the last week of July, we have our free online summit. And oh, cool. this summit it is intended to inspire beginning and advanced students to grow in their speech and debate skills. We will have sessions during this free summit on everything from finding your voice to structuring a speech to preparing for apologetic speaking or extemporaneous speaking to preparing and structuring a debate case. And so that is an excellent free opportunity um, that is just perfect for anyone new to homeschooling, perhaps, because they are all of a sudden structuring their school year differently because their public school isn't going to meet in person. This would be a great opportunity for a grandparent who is maybe at home with um, quarantine students, and they want something to be able to do with their grandchildren. This would also be a great opportunity for parents who are interested in learning more about developing their own communication skills so that they can teach communication skills to their students. And families can register for our summit by going to ncfca.org forward slash summit. And from that site, you can also find more information about our intensive, which would be the following week, um, which would be just a little more in-depth, but that is a, a, a paid opportunity, whereas this is a great starting point that's free to anyone who is interested. Oh, that is so cool. All right. So you guys need to check out the uh, ncfca.org online summit, July 27 to 31. And then if you are interested in the week beyond that, they are also going to have this intensive August 3rd through the 7th. When we come back from the break, I'm going to, um, I'm going to ask Aaron to give us an example of what, uh, what approaching a subject matter from a Christian worldview, um, particularly maybe on a controversial topic, like what does that look like? How does one go about that as a young person in a in an environment today where there are competing ideas and some of the conservative views are often silenced. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Aaron Trost is an incoming student at the University of Northwestern St. Paul this fall. He is from Cannon Falls, Minnesota. Uh, he is actively engaged in ncfca.org, which is a ministry that is helping Christian students communicate and converse well on the topics of the day. And so, Aaron, I would love for you to just give us an example of how how you engage in in a conversation. I mean, I recognize that it's a debate format, but most of our conversations in the culture today sometimes feel like debates. So mm-hmm. how do you engage on pick a hot topic um, and demonstrate to us how you share a gospel or Christian or biblical worldview on a topic that you know the other person um, vehemently disagrees with you on. Okay, I think like um, one of one of the speeches that I had uh, this past competing season 
was it was an informative speech, um, but you could turn it into an argumentative speech if you wanted to. It was um, I was talking about reincarnation and the Hindu view of reincarnation versus the New Age view of reincarnation, and then what the Bible says about it. And that was kind of like the structure of my speech. Um, and I think in any argumentative um, topic, it's important to understand both sides, um, which is something really valuable about doing debate. And this is actually my first year. I've competed for three years, and this was the first year that I've done um, Lincoln-Douglas debate, which is just a one, one-v-one style debate. Um, but in any controversial topic, it's good to understand both sides so you know where the other side is coming from. And then you can better adjust your argument to kind of fit that um, idea. So uh, let's just say hypothetically here for a moment that, um, you know, you and I are in an environment and you hear me uh, say something about um, my grandma who is now, oh, oh, I see this butterfly. Um, and every time I see this butterfly, you know, that's my that's my grandma. I just acknowledge that, you know, the appearance of the butterflies every uh, every spring is is acknowledgement that my grandma is still here and still uh, still watching and delighting my heart. I guess to that, I would say that um, the Bible has a little bit different narrative. The Bible, I believe there's a verse in Hebrews that says that we're destined to die once and after that to face judgment. And that's, there's, there can be some confusion um, with reincarnation. Some people think that Christians do believe in reincarnation and that's not true. We believe in a resurrection to our heavenly bodies. Um, So your grandma, although um, maybe butterflies remind you of her because that's something that she loved um, or um, yeah, maybe it's, Maybe it's something that she enjoyed watching the butterflies out in her flower garden. Um, but the Bible portrays a different story that we're not reborn onto this earth, but instead that we go up to heaven to live with God. And telling telling the better story, I think, is the challenge for many Christians today. Like, we need to not become defensive when somebody says mm-hmm. something that we recognize is just theologically not accurate, um, yep. biblically untrue. And so not becoming defensive and uh, and offering the story, the narrative, I really appreciate that you lift that up, um, offering mm-hmm. the gospel narrative, the biblical narrative, the redemptive worldview. Um, you know, we don't believe in a circular um, or cyclical or even progressive worldview. We believe in one that has a beginning and an end. Uh, and God frames all of that and is engaged in each and every part. So I appreciate your approach to that. Yeah. Um, Heather, um, Heather, I'm wondering when you when you think about the ways in which um, your own children and others have benefited from NCFCA uh, and this cultivation of the ability to communicate the gospel clearly on the topics and issues of the day. um, I'm wondering if there's a story that comes to mind, you know, where you just you almost just saw a a person open up um, and, and become more of who they are, almost freed in their own Christian expression um, through this process? Hmm. I think the story that, that is coming to mind is, is about my older son and, um, and it's, it's connected to what you're asking. 
he has always been a, a fierce competitor and a, an amazing speaker. But what NCFCA allowed him to do was to hone his skills and his ability to communicate, not just with power and not just with truth, but also with grace. Um, what I loved about the story that Aaron just told was that it, it was so kind and it acknowledged um, that this person remembered their grandmother as they were thinking of butterflies. And it, it, it validated something within them, not that reincarnation was true, but that the butterflies reminded them of their grandma. And I think for my older son, just his ability, particularly over the last uh, year and a half of his competition, to be able to communicate not just things that were true, but to communicate them in a way that was gracious so that other people could really hear them um, was probably the greatest success I saw of his speech and debate career. So on this uh, on this example of uh, grandma is a butterfly, um, my response to that at the time was to acknowledge that well, it was to ask of this other person, hey, you know what, tell me about your grandma and tell me. Um, and then as that conversation unfolded, that person made reference to their grandmother being a Christian and really involved in church. And I said, well, so your grandma, let me just tell you right now, if if she was a Christian um, and she actually believed the things that were expressed at the church that she attended, which was obviously of great value to her. Let me tell you, she doesn't experience being a butterfly right now. I mean, she right. actually has a very real eternal experience in the fullness of the presence of the living God. And so if you really actually do um, intend to have fellowship with your grandmother um, after this life ends, you know, I... I can share with you like how to how to do that, how that actually happens. So I do think there are opportunities for those of us who um, are non-defensive in our approach. We recognize that uh, that what God has told us about himself and life and death and everything else in the Bible is true, true truth, big capital T. We don't have to be defensive in our approach. We can be gracious. We can listen to the stories of other people, and then we can look for those opportunities to lead them to the truth as well. Um, and I just feel like NCFCA is helping students cultivate that ability more and more and just excited about what you guys are doing. I want to invite everybody to visit them online at ncfca.org. Look for the information um, about the free online summit the last week of July. Uh, and then for those of you who are interested, uh, the, uh, the online intensive the first week of August. Heather and Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll be right back. One of the headlines you are likely to hear or see today is that uh, Barry Wise has resigned from the New York Times. Um, I want to touch on this, but I don't have time to talk about it right now. But her resignation letter is a must read. And so if you're looking for something today, um, to read just a Google resignation, New York Times, and you'll get uh, Barry Wise's resignation le- letter. Um, just, I just highly recommend it in terms of a cultural moment. All right, that's all we got time for today. We'll be right back here tomorrow. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. 
That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.